All right. Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Friday episode of Crypto with English. And I have the distinct uh, opportunity and pleasure to be doing this episode with fellow co-host Bobby Badoshka. Now, I'll have to throw this out. For anybody who's going to be doing some shopping, please check out her book. All right. Sexual Intelligence in Business. This just came out. Well, actually, not didn't just come. It came out, but I just, uh, I just received it, and this is going to be a deep dive into you know sex tech relationships and kind of this interplay with um, how we're interacting with tech and society, and really the changing dynamics between men and women and the professional workplace. So today's episode is going to be a little bit of an extension, and you could almost say a continuation of. The last episode's theme uh, in Sex Tech when we had Heather Montgomery on. So, just to introduce uh, fellow co-host Bobby Podoshka again. She is an author. She is the author of Sexual Intelligence and in Business, and she's the founder of Imagine Ideation. Um, you could check her out on LinkedIn. She is definitely doing a lot of things of substance and significance in this space. And again, check out her book. It's on Amazon, and uh, I can already tell this is going to be a great read. But today's episode, I'd like to introduce a very special guest as well, who is also in this space, Jason Maskell, based out of London. He has his hands, and he's doing many things of note in financial services, media, and sex tech, which is going to be the theme of this episode. Now, in Web3, you know, a lot of the conversation is focused on, you know, DeFi, NFTs, Metaverse. However... Uh, sex tech is one of those things where it's kind of the elephant in the room. And as the, you could say, as the innovations keep expanding in this space, um, sex tech, without a doubt, is going to have a role in that, so to say. But you don't see it per se get the media attention that maybe other facets of Web3 are getting. So, uh, Jason, it is an absolute pleasure to have you on today's episode. Um, and I was wondering if you could provide a little bit of context about yourself and some of the things you're working on right now. Yeah, of course. Adam, thanks very much. And Bobby, lovely speaking to you again. Um, so I've been in the adult sector for 20, ooh, 22, 23 years now. Um, done most things in the adult industry. Um, just got into it by pure chance as a makeup artist when I gave up my job, trained as a makeup artist and suddenly fell into doing adult movies. From that, I developed uh, and moved into running a model agency because one of the main producers I was working for stepped away and I sort of took over her model agency, um, which then led into production, um, which then led into general directing, producing movies, um, and back into my old original background of sales. So I was working on the business side of things. I then worked for some studios, taking their, their products out there and to market and sort of covered a lot of things like that. Um, built up a very little fat black book of contacts all around the world in the industry, um, which has been brilliant. Travel around the world a few times, meeting people, going to shows, going to events. Um, and then one thing I always noticed was the real problem within the adult sector was it needed money. Um, and the only way people were doing it was through friends who liked the idea of it or um, 
family, they were self-raising because the banks wouldn't support this sector. Um, it's just taboo. Um, even though everyone uses it and they admit to using it, but they didn't want to do business with it for one reason or another. So that sort of led on to me looking at launching a crowdfunding platform aimed especially for the adult sector. And we launched that in a beta mode, doing rewards and got some little bit of traction and building on that with the end goal of moving up to doing full equity crowdfunding. And to do that being regulated in the UK, we had to have a thing called an AR, which is an appointed representative for 12 months that would be the buffer between us and the regulation body in London. And for that, we, you know, we, there was going to be a fee. It's around about £50,000 for the year. So we went around to some companies who would, who offer that service, who get you up to being a regulated body in your own basis. Um, and they all said, this is a great idea. No one's doing crowdfunding for the adult industry, but we can't work for you. And I'm like, why not? I'm trying to give you 50K. Right. They went, yeah, it's reputational risk. I'm like, but your name's going to be the smallest font on the bottom of the website. And they're like, yeah, we can't do it. Rep regulation, you know, reputational risk. Um, so we then realized that once we found a company that was a bit more open-minded and was happy to do it during conversations with them, we then realized that if we raised a two, three, four, five million pound equity raise, the banks were then going to turn around and go, hang on a minute, where's this money coming from? Who's it going to? And right. the banks were then starting to close down accounts for performers in the adult industry, businesses in the adult industry. I've had a couple of bank accounts closed down for me when they found out what I was doing. Wow. Working great, limited legal entity. Um, and again, the banks use the whole reputational risk. It's all right for them to launder money for Mexican drug cartels. Right. And, uh, yeah. Yeah. And, you know, you know, arms dealers and, you know, yeah. whatever type of war criminal type you could think of off the top yeah. of your head. You know, yeah. uh, I'm sure the, I know the Panama Papers certainly uh, alluded it and certainly put a lot of light on that. But I, I would imagine like half these, uh, I guess you could say those types that we've mentioned have Swiss bank accounts yeah. or, you know, or in you kind of the other, I guess you could say the typical, you know, I, I guess you could say uh, tax haven type centers. Of, they also deal with the, the high world. street banks, you know, the, the yeah. big global banks that have right. on every high street, you know. They like, like, I think Deutsche Bank, HSBC, like yeah. uh, their names came up, you know, a few yeah. times as well. And you know what's funny, uh, Jason, and maybe, and I, I'm sure you can add a lot of context and detail to this, but I've come across research where in times of, you know, you could say economic downturn, you know, recessions, if not, you know, damn near, you know, uh, economic depressions, adult entertainment does not seem to suffer like most other industries do. And in fact, it seems like they actually do quite okay. It, it seems like it's one of these very economic resilient spaces, regardless think, of wherever the economy is. Yeah, I think you find, you know, in, in most recession, um, you see the things that go up and down. And one is good quality food and pre preset meals, reset meals that all these supermarkets make. And, you right. know, because um, people can't afford to go out to a restaurant, but they want something nice indoors. So they'll go and get a ready meal that's maybe fresher and nice. Right. And they can still have that good experience. And they still need to, you know, should we say, relieve themselves and enjoy right. themselves. So, you know, you normally find it's it's the supermarkets, food, and the adult industry that still goes up in a recession because people still need those releases. Right. And uh, 
you know, this is something that I find very strange. So when it comes to, I guess you could say, banks, when they're looking at businesses, they're lending out, you know, loans and extending, you know, lines, you know, lines of credit, so to say. Mm-hmm. I would imagine that despite taboos, adult entertainment is quite liquid, so to say. So I would, so there is always, from what it seems to me, and I think what a lot of research ref- reflects, there is a robust and you could say expanding, you could say customer base um, at, at most at most given time. So I'm thinking to myself, you know, if you're a bank and banks exist to make money, despite taboos, I would imagine that, let's say this type of business, let's say adult entertainment crowdfunding, or let's say adult entertainment in the metaverse, like some type of platform, some type of tech related to that, I would imagine that would be the forward-thinking venture to be looking at it this, well, at this you know, day and age. Yeah, I think, you know, I've had conversations with people I know who work in banks at sort of mid to high levels in different departments, and they right. said, you know, five, six years ago, they were quite happy to take the money from a company that was in the adult industry, and they would sort of turn a blind eye. Okay. Um, and unless it got out of hand. Um, or they found they were doing something illegal. But, you know, a legal adult business, they could normally get by. Now, if they find out what you're doing, you, you're out three months. They're plea, we don't want your money. And it is this whole reputational risk, which <clears throat> when we were looking into the crowdfunding and realizing that we got nowhere to put the money if we raise it, right? we had to take a step back and go, well, what we need to do then is we need to become a bank. We need to offer this service yeah um, to the out sector so we went out there and started looking at different scenarios uh we were talking to companies that offer white label banking solutions to the mainstream banks right um and again we were getting some were going yeah okay we can sort of deal with you and some were going the board of directors would like uh you to answer this 15 page questionnaire on what you're doing who you're going to be working with before we decide to talk to you or not right because we got to check our reputation because we deal with the mainstream banks um and then we managed to get together and we um started working with a, a company that's launching a new technology a new digital bank and a digital card digital wallet should i say um and we've taken the white label on that we're launching this real real soon we just uh, they're in the final test stage of v2 of the blockchain and i'm basically going to be head above the parapet shout loud shout proud you work in the adult industry, you work in sectors that are um, refused because they don't, the banks don't like you, like the cannabis industry. Right. Um, Is we'll do your, we'll, we're offer you a payment solution. And because we're actually bank linked in with our own private bank, that's part of the digital wallet, we offer better rates than everyone else. And we can take pounds, euros, dollars, Canadian dollars, us dollars, Australian dollars, Japanese yen, Bitcoin, right. um, gold, silver, platinum. And we literally digitize all these assets and allow right. you to trade online, in person, or face-to-face using a digital wallet on your phone. And by the way, I, I commend you for you know doing this type of venture and you know going full steam ahead on this because uh, first off, I think it's very innovative there is going to be a growing demand for this, especially considering, you know, the lockdowns and kind of how, you know, society has more or less been brought together 
closer, you know, with technology, but at the same time, physically grown further and further apart. So it's this weird, very weird dichotomy. And I think a lot of that is reflected in, you know, the rising rates of, you know, depression and anxiety, you know, all those other things. There is something kind of missing in the in the human uh, in the human experience right now. And, you know, first off, I think in this day and age, 2022, a lot of this stuff shouldn't be taboos anymore. But I also find it very ironic that let's say let's say when they were alive, Gaddafi and Saddam Hussein can open up an account maybe through various agents or reps at these, you know, at these banks. But let's say something you're doing has to go through additional, you know, obstacles and hoops to do the same thing. And let's say when it comes to, you know, other things like um, the pharmaceutical industry and how opioids have literally wiped out entire communities across the yeah. U.S., U.K., and Canada, you know, Pfizer can walk in. It's, it's a non-issue, you know, <laughs> as far as opening that account. But if you want to, let's say, have this adult entertainment crowdfunding enterprise or let's say an adult entertainment metaverse type of platform, that's the taboo instead. It is. Well, I, I, just mean, wanna, I, I just want to yeah. jump in here sure. to <laughs> contextualize a little bit because um, it is really it's not a this is not a banking institution issue. It's a political issue. Right. Um, yeah. Right. And, and I, am, so, I'm, I am like leading into that. But yes. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, it's it's definitely unfortunate that we get lumped in with terrorists um, <laughs> and, you know, uh, gun smuggling and, and all of that. But it the, the impetus really have. So I know I've spoken about this before, um, but there's this a lobby group in the U.S. in particular um, that they hit up like they really they, they literally have a hit list and they called their hit list on their website of the entities that they're constantly after chasing after. Um, because of uh, the conflation of human trafficking um, and sex trafficking with everybody else in the industry, right? And so, you know, what they're doing is they're, wow. they're taking um, the, the, I mean, sex trafficking and human, tra obviously, this is a horrible issue. Yeah. And yeah. I would say there's nobody more against that and uh, than everybody else in the sex industry to make things safe and consensual um, and, and all of that. Um, but, you know, running a sex toy company um, because, you know, I mean, you, you tiptoed around it, but I mean, people want to masturbate. People want to have sex. This is a human condition um, straight up. Everybody does it. You know, the fact that you, a fertility, a fertility clinic who's has technologies um, for sex and reproduction. Fine. Um, a, a sex toy company, um, you know, that makes also similar technologies, um, but for pleasure, not fine. Right. And that's because the conflation with the human trafficking and this particular group that are very powerful in the U S and they have right. very high, um, high level contacts, um, from a cat, you know, Christian, um, traditional family values um you know there's, sure. there's a voter block in the u.s um uh, conservative voter block that that this appeals to so this is really what yeah, it really a lot of that was to. magnified with uh you know, the uh, george w bush administration in the early 2000s um i think they've existed well you know well uh above like 50 60 years but um kind of you know dovetailing on what you're talking about bobby they from my recollection, they especially came into prominence in the early 2000s. A lot of those, I guess you could say, almost like evangelical, you know, um, based groups who have a very, very strong political agenda. So, you know, le you know, essentially 
you know, like this subject matter, for instance. So, and it's like yeah. the banks, it's not that the banks don't like, yeah, for the most part, they turned the other, you know, the other cheek um, for as long as they could. And they are as neutral as they can be. But I worked in finance and, um, you know, they're, the list, they have lists of, of particular countries and particular people who, if they right. do any kind of transaction or trade, it's marked, it's tracked. Um, and so, but that, that comes from the government. It's not the financial institutions. If they, if they have the decision-making power to do so, they, they really would be neutral. Um, but they are, there's, there's laws, um, international yeah. laws and local laws. Yeah. But I think that's why something needs to happen that will support the sector. I mean, the other thing we found when we were looking in this, there's 1.7 billion people around the world that are currently unbanked that they right. can't get bank accounts. But three quarters of those people got access to a smartphone. Now we're like, mm -hmm. well, great, that's all you need. You've got a smartphone, yeah. you have our app on it, yeah. you can transfer money. We do 65,000 transactions a second. You can send it around the world in any currency, whatever. And for us, it's all on the blockchain. Everyone has to go through full KYC. So it's not going to be people trying to do stuff illegal because we're going to know exactly everything and we can right. track everything. So we're doing it above board, but to support as many people as possible. Um, we've also had conversations with companies who are in the hydroponics industry. And I have a company director that runs a company that, that makes the fertilizer for hydroponics. Now, she's been into the UK Parliament a few weeks ago to discuss with our MPs over here the state yeah. of the industry and what needs to be done. And she's coming to me going, Jason, we can't get a bank account because they just class us as being the cannabis and drugs. And we're not. We're, oh. we're making the fertilizer that supermarkets use to buy the cucumbers and the strawberries that are in the supermarket right now because they've all been grown through hydroponics. But yeah. we're, having, we're having a problem. And again, it's this whole political and the way people jump on certain things like the sex trafficking horrendous horrible don't like it don't trust it but you come into the professional adult industry it's not everyone has to sign model release forms they have to bring ids right. they have to prove who they are um they have to agree to it now there is complete arseholes in every business in every sector around the world so not everyone's perfect mm -hmm. um but you're not getting some girl brought to a set told to fuck five guys and then her money's given to someone else and it all walks out the back door because no it has to be there's got to be a paper trial right yeah no they said they take one case and and i mean they do this with sex workers too right the the, mm. the why why sex workers don't have rights is because they take the handful i mean i'm literally writing a paper right now about it um they literally take the very handful of of super shitty like you said there's assholes in every industry there's corruption, there's coercion in every industry. Like nobody is, uh, escapes that. Um, but they take these cases and, and, and broadcast them as if they are the representation of, of right. the entire yeah. industry, which isn't this true. Is this is yeah. what happens. But right. what, what's beautiful, but it, like sex has always been the disruptor, right? So, and I mentioned this before as well, we have the technology that we do today because the porn industry and file trading um, and image image uh, sharing was mm. very strongly wanted, the early adopters always. Um, and so, again, we will be the industry that is the early adopter of, of crypto and digital wallets. Um, right. 
you know, so it's, it's an opportunity. Um, and people who, you know, are smart, like Jason, get in early. <laughs> this is it. It's, you know, like te any technology, it's taken longer than we wanted, but we want it to be right. And we want it to be perfect. And we want it to offer the right service for everyone. Right. Um, at the highest level with all the regulation and insurances and everything in place. Um, so everyone knows their money's safe and secure. Yeah. But we're standing up, as I said earlier, putting our heads above the parapet and going, we're going to work with this sector. You know, we don't care if you don't want to do it. That's great. Right. You know, we do because we know the business. We understand it is a business. You know, I walked into the, offices in in the la and some of the biggest studios and you sit down with the directors and they're looking at excel sheets it's it's a it's a proper business right um yeah they're all boring bastards walking around in suits as well like every other but sometimes they're walking around in t-shirts a lot more chilled out um right. but the industry is a lot more friendly than others and people talk to each other but everyone's looking for technology to help us and move us forward and that yeah that's something i been sort of pushing for to do we need to do that and right it helps people in so many sex tech is helping people in so many different ways with new sex toys that are coming in that are helping couples are having problems or women who have sexual problems because you know they're going through the menopause and they need something so they need to use the right lube and the right sex toy to to bring things on even sex workers a lot of sex workers they actually help guys who don't have a relationship or have problems they need to go and talk to someone as well as have some you know, extra relief. Right. So there's so many different sides to, I think, the whole adult industry that people don't understand. They see the one little thing yeah. and just assume that's it and don't actually realise how big it is in the background and how boring it is in the background. Uh -huh. Right. Speaking <laughs> of not realising, yeah. though, um, for those who are, are listening, uh, they could be people like me, who really don't understand crypto, digital wallet and all that, as well as I probably should. Can you, like, what is a digital wallet exactly? Okay, so yeah, what what we're doing, and we're actually quite unique, because we were looking at a few different systems, and what we come up with is quite unique. Um, there's lots of, you've got, everyone's heard of Bitcoin. There's all these different coins out there, and they're trading, people get scared, because they're going up, they're going down, they put money yeah, in Yeah, very volatile and very... And the people are going, yeah. oh my God, what do I do? How do I make money? Yes, I've made money. God, I've lost millions and overnight, <laughs> even though I had millions to start with. Um, <laughs> I lost my password! <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so what we have, basically our digital wallet is an app. So what we do is, if you put in 100 pounds, dollars, Canadian dollars, US dollars, pounds... Um, that goes into our private bank. We then take that and give you a hundred digital version to spend online. So you can online, you can do it with a prepaid debit card that's connected to it. And you make your transactions as normal, as you would with your normal debit card or when you make payments online. With us, you would scan a QR code. It pings back to your wallet. You open your wallet up on your phone. You say, yes, I want to make that transaction. The payment's then done. Um, because we can do 65,000 transactions a second, we can transact in crypto and then we merge everything. So your price, you locked in as the price you spend at. Um, the big difference for us is the money you have in your digital wallet, the digital version is not available to buy on Coinbase or Bifance or any other of these brokers. Or right. it's, not a, it's not a crypto coin. It's a stable, it's a community coin. It's a stable coin. 
that is matched with the money you put in. So if you've got a hundred dollars in there, we transact into a hundred digital dollars. That hundred digital dollars is not going to go up and down in price like a Bitcoin does. It's right. yours. You've locked it. If you don't spend it for six months, in six months time, you come back, you still got a hundred sitting there. Right. It's completely up to you. So we connected to the, the debit card. It's, <laughs> it's like you're converting it to cash for me. Yes. Yeah. So basically Except I can't we, actually, can I go to like, can I get cash or I have to spend it digitally? No, you can, you can have a prepaid debit card. So you can pull money out. So if you want to go to an ATM, you can pull money out. The oh. other thing, because we digitize everything. So if you've got gold, you go online through the wallet and you buy some gold. You buy, let's call it again, a hundred pounds, a hundred dollars worth of gold. That is then going to sit in your wallet. You go to Starbucks, you realize you don't have any fiat money in your wallet. You go, I really won't need my cup of coffee today. You can transfer $10 worth of gold from your gold store into a fiat amount and then use that on your card. So literally you can buy Starbucks with gold. You awesome. can literally, and in the background, we're slicing off $10 worth of gold in the vault and shaving it off for you. So you haven't got it there anymore. Got it. So we just literally digitize your real cash and give you a digital version that you can spend anywhere. And I mean, ever since this sort of came, came around, there's definitely been obviously an uptake in usage. I mean, we're not, it's not ubiquitous, but you know, there, it's, there's a lot more of it now. There's a lot more coins. There's a lot more trading. Oh, yes. There's a lot more of this going on. So where do you see that there's going to be a, a an inflection point to which it sort of becomes maybe normalized? Or where soon enough when too many people start using it, then how are they going to – because I'm sure they're all like bogging their heads together trying to figure out how the hell do we regulate this thing? Well, I think the biggest way about regulation, the governments are all bringing in their own digital coin, their right. own digital currency. So, you know, digital pounds, digital dollars. Yeah, their own central bank, uh, yeah, digital currency, yeah. Yeah, so you've all got this digital, so it's all coming in anyway. The gold governments are going to be releasing their own digital wallets soon. Um, the other thing you've got to look at, the banks don't have any money. You know, if there's a run on a bank, it could happen really quickly because the banks are lending out so much money at the minute. They don't physically have your money sitting there at the moment. Um, so that's another big thing we're doing is if you put money in, we don't lend it out anywhere. And then every quarter we audit the cash and against the the bank and the wallet to confirm literally what you have in one is matches the other. So we're not lending and loaning people's money out like the banks are. Right. But the whole thing with digital, it's coming, it's coming at government level. They want to, like you say, they want to regulate the crypto market because they're realizing how much money they're, they're getting. Um, you're seeing all the big companies now, if you make X amount or you make a profit of over 5,000, they're letting the governments know so they can claw the tax back on it. You know what? I have a question for both of you. So what are, what are you know, I guess you could say, what do you think that people should know about the adult entertainment industry, whether it's, you know, male or female porn stars, performers that um, most people just don't know? Like, I feel like there's, you know, 
obviously we're touching upon a lot of taboos and, you know, mistaken assumptions, but, you know, based on, I guess, both of your collective experiences, what should people know about adult entertainers and the way adult entertainment businesses are run? And, and I guess as far as any type of insight that kind of goes against these, you know, you could almost say um, assumptions that people, you know, tend to have, like, you know, for instance, um, I've come across, you know, research and, you know, I'm not going to get too deep into it because I obviously, you know, want this conversation and the insights to be coming from both of you. But there's, um, you know, I've read, you know, various interviews and scholarships where both female and male entertainers have expressed essentially the financial freedom and autonomy they have by choosing essentially to participate and be adult entertainment stars. Um, you know, essentially, you know, doing something they like, earning the type of income that they want, and essentially expressing really where their where their passions are, you know. So it seems to me in a free society where we value free speech, um, this really shouldn't be treated so different than anybody else following, you know, what they, you know, what they want to do. And it seems like this. As as time goes on and if society continues to criminalize more and more spaces in this wider space of adult entertainment, this does encourage, you know, black market, you could say, uh, organized crime for, you could say, individuals and organizations to target male or female, you know, um, you know, individuals into, you know, coercion and into doing things that may otherwise cause a tremendous amount of suffering, if not death. Oh no, exactly. I think the the first thing first on the the adult performance side of it, on on the production side, people forget it's a fantasy. It's not the real world. It is a fantasy. Yes, a lot of performers have high sex drive. Like you're saying, they they're doing something they want to do. They're something they enjoy, but they are turning it on, turning it off. You know, it's not always, oh, my God, that's the most amazing sex I've ever had. It's right. right camera stopped, bang, or, you know, I'm on webcam and you can't see past my knee where I'm sitting there with my slippers and my socks on because it's cold. Right. You know, so I think people forget that it's a fantasy. You know, they don't suddenly look at Star Wars and go, oh, yeah, that's really real. And I think right. people forget to bring it over that this also is a fantasy. Um and then the other big thing to do with the companies within the sector from the studios to the sex toy manufacturers and the distributors and and the marketers it's a proper business you know they go to work monday to friday nine to five they look at excel spreadsheets right um, they're looking at customer service they want to do things improve but they're also doing against so many restrictions on marketing and promotion. Um, right. That's what you find. You get a lot more creative people in this sector that are more open-minded and thinking and free-thinking because there's so many restrictions on. And some restrictions, they have to be, and I agree with some restrictions. Right. Um, and in some cases, I'd like more restrictions and more regulation in certain areas. But I think people forget it's, it is a professional business. It's not just people doing what they want to do for fun. Right. I mean, from my perspective, first of all, I think we should stay away from gender binaries because there's, you know, a lot more to it than just males and females. Um, lots of uh, in-between things there. 
Um, and it's also, you know, it's more than just entertainment. Um, there's many aspects within the industry that are, I mean, there's, you know, engineers that are working on technologies. Um, there are, yeah. um, um, you know, people like Trojan condoms. I mean, they're, they're just a condom company. They're just making condoms, you know, there's glue products, there's, there's all these different types of products. And I think we can talk about the cannabis stuff um, afterwards in a bit, but there's also different types of sex workers, right? So there's, there, like you were saying, there, there's plenty of, of folks who are, say, uh, working in, in doing cam work or OnlyFans type of stuff. Um, or production, performing, um, even dancing and stuff that are satisfied. Um, and also, you know, it can be quite lucrative um, for many people. And it's it's a relatively safe um, and secure environment. But there are also, you know, on-street sex workers that um, do experience violence and murder. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, there's also Austrian sex workers that are also satisfied, um, and they're making a conscious choice. It's like, sure. do I want to work at McDonald's, which is like equally shitty? Um, uh, or, or do, you know, work at McDonald's for eight hours or I can work, you know, on the street for two hours and make more money. Um, so, you know, do I love doing it? Yeah, but I also don't love um, cleaning the fucking fryer um, or <laughs> right. cleaning people's toilets. Or like, there's plenty of degrading jobs out there. Um, and so, you know, considering that that it's just there's a different experience uh, depending on what part of the industry that you're in, which is why it would be really important if it was a legalized and and, you know, they were supported with labor rights um, and benefits, um, health benefits and and all of that stuff. Um, but there's also a medical aspect, you know, like Mystery Vibe, uh, for example, is a sex toy company that's getting FDA approved so the doctors can prescribe um, sex toys um, for those, you know, who are struggling with, with certain aspects. And uh, in academia, as you know, Adam, I'm the co-chair of the academic conference on love and yes. sex with robots. And they, the, what, if nothing else, what should sort of relieve um, folks who don't understand or feel like sex is still taboo. And I really just don't even, I don't even like saying that anymore because I just want to change that narrative. Right. Um, it isn't taboo. It's, it's ubiquitous. Everybody does it. The staff on all the websites and Pornhub tell us what people are interested in. Um, and the sheer amount of people that are interested in it. And, you know, if it, we're not talking about, you know, the average this like this idea of this creepy guy, you know, jacking off to porn in the corner anymore. That that that's that's that probably still exists. But most people are just regular people trying to have a nice time, you know, one way or the other. But um, the amount of research, the amount of academics who focus on all these aspects of sex research from all disciplines, psychology, sociology, anthropology. Um, 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 engineering, um, like it's, it's across the board. Um, there's departments of sexology at universities. People come with sex therapy, sex coaches, right? So then that, that's like, all of this is existing, um, from a medical and academic perspective that has absolutely like exploded, um, over the last 20 years, the, the amount of research and studies should tell people that this is this is something that um is a legitimate 
area of study, a legitimate medical, legitimate businesses. And so, fuck, what's the problem? Yeah. Right. And by the way, uh, Bobby, so when I mentioned, you know, male and female performers, that was, you know, not to the exclusion of, you know, anybody else who identifies, you know, one way or the other, you know, across, you know, across the spectrum. But, you know, speaking of which, if we look at the issue of, you know, trans men, trans women, and, you know, um, other and otherwise, you know, other designations and categories across the, uh, you know, gender spectrum, you know, there is also a disproportionate amount of violence, you know, inflicted against, you know, even in today's day and age against people who are trans men, you know, trans women. So there are still, you could say, a lot of um, frictions and conflict, you know, surrounding the issue. So would it be fair to say in the adult entertainment space within Web3 in this day and age, could this also be, let's say, another platform or mechanism for, you know, um, free speech rights and also kind of avenues for, you know, maybe greater understanding you know, across society, you know, as, as a whole? Well, I think as technology's come on, I think it's given a voice to that wider selection of people who um, identify themselves in one way or another through sexuality right. or, or how they feel, um, which I think is brilliant. So, you know, people can find out more. They can be a bit more honest. Um, they can realise that they can get there's special therapies and supports and and they can get together to support each other because yeah that you always get the people who are narrow-minded and have no idea who the ones who spout crap sure um and are abusive to you know a range of people from straight male female gay trans whatever you're always gonna get the idiots in the world sure um, but i think these technologies has, has allowed people to learn more about the wider scope right and have and, those discussions which i think is you know it's important yeah and you know um you know current research also reflects that there is also high you could say you know suicide rates among you know people who are you know trans men trans women and also the, you know i guess you could say the various other you know gender designations you know across the spectrum so i kind of wonder you know for a lot of these issues where people who identify as such are feeling the need to kill themselves or do some type of self-harm. Um, perhaps this space, adult entertainment in Web3, could really be like a, um, you could say, a, a light, a torch, or a release valve for people to kind of otherwise carve their own space and express themselves. And, you know, kind of what comes to mind, too, is when Hugh Hefner, I think, originally conceived Playboy and, you know, launched that, you know, brand I uh, started in the late, you know, 50s and then I think really came into prominence towards like the mid to, you know, late 60s. One of the things that he accomplished was actually the uh, promotion of, you know, women of color, you know, obviously, in, you know, in, in nude and sensual settings. But this was like the first time a major publication, much less an adult publication featuring, you know, featuring black women. Asian women, Hispanic women, you know, and this was very, very, you could say, uh, pioneering and, you know, very groundbreaking, you know, for that time, uh, for that time in history. Uh, again, another example of early adoption of the sex industry <laughs> who are always ahead of, yeah. of the times. And I do say, you know, that sex is the great equalizer um, because it does uh, provide those kinds of opportunities um, right. that, that seem, um, you know, outside the zone of acceptability. Right. Um, 
But, you know, it's also, I mean, I think when you say Web3, I hope, you know, you're also referring to all of the the, the platforms um, sure. that currently cancel marketing, cancel posts, right. and, um, you know, now all hope is resting on Elon to open <laughs> yeah. up. Um, it is, is it really going to be about, uh, free speech? Like, let's see. Well, that, yeah, that's going to be interesting because, um, when he announced he's all free speech, my first little cog whirring in my head was, okay, so are we going to stop shadow banning or how are they going right. to help these, this industry to use the service, which they're using at the moment? Um, and maybe put some extra layers of levels of security in there so young people right. can't find it because no one in the out industry wants young people to find their content because it's fantasy it's it's made by adults for adults they're products that are made for adults by adults um and they're not trying to push it onto other people so yeah elon if you want to do some free speech and yeah let's Let's see how you're going to open up and work with these. I don't know if you caught the TEDx talk that he did last week. Um, But I mean, it was fairly long, but I I watched it. And of course, the idea, because he's building robots, right? Um, And of course, uh, interestingly, the question came up. Oh, well, you know, um, what about what are people else going to do with the robots? And he commented that uh, he basically... Uh, so I don't have the quote, but I gather that he was alluding that he understood that people were going to do what they were going to do. He he wasn't like all, oh, I don't want to talk about that or, oh, not our robots or, you know, it was very much like, yeah, well, people are going to do, right? So it's like, to me, that was a bit of a nod um, of not acceptability, but at, at a minimal tolerance. And I hope I interpreted that right, but hopefully, maybe your viewers will uh, have something to say about that. Well, I think I think like me, Bob, you spoke to a couple of the robotic companies. Some of the ones I've spoke to that are coming into this space, the technology they're building is amazing. It's amazing. It's brilliant. I mean, it's oh, it's it's so clever, and um, and the first again, to do it. Yeah, they're they're pushing the boundaries. They're looking to do things that other people can't do just because yes their end goal is to give you a an amazing sex doll but it's it's gonna be it's crazy what these people are doing and it's it's beautiful and you know as an engineer side of it i think all engineers should be looking at it going wow that is superb because these guys are really really pushing the pushing the button to actually get saying that is amazing because it's the size the weight the control the movement to be as human as possible there you know this this is a major technology coming on this is going to be fantastic right. when it comes out yeah absolutely and do you think um elon musk do you think he could be the objective you know and fair you know judge you know arbitrator mediator of um you know twitter you know going forward because i think this um you know as humans, we're all flawed and we do have our own biases, whether we, you know, whether we, um, you know, I guess intend for it or not, but there are going to be some things that we favor. There are going to be some things that we don't favor. And a lot of times we may not realize it, you know, too. So, um, 
how are you bullish or bearish as far as you know Elon Musk? I, I guess you could say being that arbiter, being that essentially center of uh, free speech on uh, social media. I'm waiting with bated breath on what he's going to announce and do. Right. I'm not expecting a lot. I think there's so much scope that could be done to one to ensure that it's ring fenced and controlled and right. people have the right access in and out who should have access in and out, um, which would be amazing and, and could take the, you know, the industry up to another level and make life a lot easier. Um, is that going to happen? I don't think so. Are we going to stay where we are at the same at the moment? I think we will for a while. Um, and then it's going to be other technologies that maybe come online that can can help um, or someone else is going to go do you know what like i've done with lifestyle digital wallet yeah if you're not going to do it i'm going to do it myself someone else is yeah. going to come online and go do you know what if you're not supporting the adult sector and, and all these so-called taboo industries um i'm going to do it and bring everyone over right and do you think with elon musk at the uh i guess you could say at the helm of this how do you think the future of sex tech and even you know uh, marijuana tech or you know medical marijuana or just the marijuana industry how do you think it will you know um exist in this space do you think um you know those you know perceived taboos at least now have a space to flourish and kind of get more eyes and attention and maybe can illuminate a lot of misunderstandings or um or do you think it's going to more or less kind of you know stay the same i mean it's I mean, Twitter out of all the platforms is still probably the the best, the worst kind of thing. Um, <laughs> so, you know, there's there's lots of people doing advertising and organizing their their clients and stuff on, on Twitter already, which is great. Um, so probably his changes will be incremental, but I I really I mean, this is not his plan, right? So he has an idea of you know, the things that he wants to do and that he right. wants to achieve. Um, and I don't think, you know, helping the sex tech industry or the sex industry is on his radar. Um, I don't think it, it, it's, it's, I don't think it's not that he's ignoring. It's just like, that's not part of, you know, right. He's got plans. Right. So, and he, he wants to be able to move forward with the right kind of regulations, according to him. Um, and, you know, he wants to move forward his ideas, he's, he's, he's got his, his goals, but at the same time, you know, as, as we've ha tagged him several times, you know, you want to go to Mars, you got to figure out how you go to fucking space. Um, and <laughs> right. so, you know, Simon uh, Dubay's is, has, you know, created a whole new academic area of research called space sexology. And, you know, it, so it's at some point he's going to have to look at, that aspect um does that mean he's going to fully support all the aspects of the of the sex industry i doubt it um and why would he, he doesn't need to it's it's just not like right. it doesn't point. you know matter yeah. to him so much um but you know like i said at some point he's going to have to turn his attention to how to reproduce um on another planet and so that that does require some addressing or undressing right. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, I think he's, um, I think like you say, Bobby, he's, I think, going to get pulled into this more by him looking at free speech. The question's going to be thrown at him a lot more and he's going to going to have to 
maybe look at it in a way. Right. And well, that group's going to chase him. Like Twitter's yeah. on the hit list, yeah. and the, only for the fact that he's actually more powerful than the people behind them will he be able to be like he'll just flip them the bird. Yeah, that's going to be it's going to be an interesting, I think, next few months as he's taken over and see how things change. Yeah, absolutely. Definitely be, you know, monitoring that situation, you know, uh, very closely. Um, as far as, you know, marijuana, the marijuana industry, um, can you talk a little bit about your story about how you got into that and the various, you know, projects? Because, you know, as time goes on, I would have to say within the past 10 years, the taboos of marijuana have very much done a 180. And I would say, in fact, broadly speaking, I think most people are acceptable of, you know, various, you know, medical and you could say recreational uses of marijuana, you know, in the United States. I think especially in light of the fact that the, um, the medical research greatly, you know, uh, supports it, you know, especially, you know, if we look at, you know, recent American history, many of the vets coming back from the wars in Afghanistan, in Iraq, you know, suffering from PTSD and various other, you know, um, you know, uh, you know, mental, you know, and psychological harm from those experiences. Uh, there is an overwhelming amount of testimony from, you know, from sufferers of that claiming that, listen, the medical marijuana treats this, treats these symptoms, ameliorates these symptoms much better than, let's say, a script, so to say, for some sort of, you know, prescribed, not to say all pharmaceutical drugs are bad, but as time goes on, the case for medical and recreational marijuana is getting stronger, without a doubt. I think it is getting stronger. Um, my worry at the moment is everyone's throwing the label CBD up on everything, and right. it's a lot to do with education, realizing the two the two main strains of, of CBD. Could you explain that please, for uh, for the viewers? Yeah, you you have it's sort of broken down. Um, you got the CBD side of it, which is non addictive. Um, non-hallucination, and then you've got THC, which is the bit that gives you the high. Right. Um, so those are your, your two breakdowns of marijuana. Um, and I think people don't understand that. They just hear drugs. Uh, right. I think that education side needs to come of it. And the, I think the, the medical side of it is is really pushing and, and doing great. Um, here in the UK, they've regulate, regulated some medical marijuana, um, but then you're finding the doctors are not prescribing it. And there's kids suffering with seizures right. um, that's been proven to Right, to epilepsy has been one of the main use cases yeah. And, uh, yeah, for medical marijuana, and it helps greatly. Yeah, so I think there's the scope there. But there's also people throwing it into everything, into drinks. I, I was shown some drinks coming out of the U.S., um, and when I right, took it yeah. to um, a company over here I'm working with on the CBD side, they were like, well, okay, there's a few problems here. One, it's in a glass bottle, clear glass bottle, um, and it's got loads of salt in it. So the salt and sunlight is basically uh, going to kill the CBD. Right. Yeah. <laughs> in it. So you're just drinking a, a soft juice drink, but it's yeah. got CBD on it, and people think, oh, I'm going to be great. It's going to relax me. I'm going to be whatever. Um, so... Again, I think it's, it's a bit of a wild west out there at the moment. So it's there's got to be more education for the public to see what's out there, what it does, how it can work, um, especially on the side for sexual health. I think there's some real good advances coming out there, how it can help a range of different people and a range of different scenarios. Um, that's what I'm excited about. Again, it's sort of helping that sector. Right. Um, 
and not just well, in Canada. It's completely legal. Uh, you just go to the pot store and it's beautiful and they have it all laid out. It's all, I, I think you still, you know, you're, you have to go to the pot store. You're not allowed to, well, you're not supposed to, um, you know, uh, grow and trade it. Um, although, you know, I, I think you just have to apply for a license if you want to do it. And then you have to follow the regulations and the packaging and everything. Um, not that the, the group, groups who were making the business for, you know, 50 or 100 years, or I'm sure they keep on going. Um, but it's it's funny because as soon as it became legal, all of a sudden, oh, well, it's not that taboo anymore. So, right. like, yeah. what that tells you is, like, when something is taboo, it's taboo because there are certain people who say it is. And as soon as they stop saying that, then everybody follows suit. Like, most society needs to be told what to do and what to think. Right. So as long as we as soon as we change narratives, oh, well, suddenly I'm like, uh, everyone's like, oh, OK. People who before were like, oh, that's illegal. <laughs> suddenly it's like, oh, OK, well, maybe I'm going to try to now. <laughs> you know, right. off we go to the bot store. So <laughs> it's like, huh, right. so funny how quick minds change. And I don't know if you're fans of Michelle Foucault, but um, as soon as something is legitimized through academia and medicine, um, it it's not far behind where everybody buys in, right? So as soon as you know people are right. prescribing, doctors prescribe and the academics study it, oh, well, it must be good then. Yeah, I think <laughs> right, people right, right. realize the technology to grow this on such large scales now where it is legal. Um, there's some huge, huge greenhouses down in Colombia because they're growing loads of out. They can't actually sell it within Colombia. They're exporting it all out. Right. But it's highly tech-led greenhouses to make sure everything's kept to the right temperature, water correctly, managed and looked after. Um, right. So, again, it's technology pushing the button to make sure everything's working fantastically. Right. And also to provide some context on the U.S. front. So there's really two parts of this. There's federal law and there's individual state law. Mm -hmm. So federal law still prohibits, you know, the use of marijuana. However, um, state law, it depends on each state. So tends to be a lot of the states on the East Coast, especially like the Northeast, uh, most of those states have allowed, you know, uh, various usages of, you know, you could say recreational and medical, you know, marijuana. So like, you know, New Jersey, it's okay to use it, you know, like New York, you know, those, you know, those type of areas. And of course, on the West Coast in, in California. So you, you have access in certain states to go to dispensaries and either get like edibles or, you know, or get like, you know, whichever like indica or sativa variation that you want as well and you know you know feel free to you know imbibe at you know at your own <laughs> at your own enjoyment or peril however you want to look at it so it got, it more or less goes like that so for the most part and this is not legal advice but you know usage you know as an individual in those kind of states it, it's okay uh you're not going to expect the dea to you know kick down your door for you know let's say a group of young professionals or college kids you know, simply, you know, simply enjoying. But a lot of that enforcement also depends on who's the president as well. So if it's, uh, let's say, if it tends to be a very, let's say if it's a hard right-leaning president, there is a higher likelihood, per se, of harder enforcement when it comes to, let's say, marijuana and how that, and how that enforcement is going to play upon, you know, the states, you know, states as a whole. So there's this kind of this weird interaction between state laws and, federal laws and a lot of it is kind of like a a duel um with like respective state political power versus the you know the federal the federal government so it's kind of a weird thing but um 
that's more or less the interplay of, I guess you could say, you know, drug regulation in the United States. But you know what is ironic, though? Um, alcohol and caffeine have proven themselves way more addicted than, uh, than yeah. marijuana, in fact. You know, uh, you know uh, <laughs> the very caffeine that we enjoy in our coffee and energy drinks and everything else, uh, you know, you could say um, the majority of the population <laughs> at least has a caffeine addiction, and that's completely okay. And maybe uh, we understate the uh, problems with uh, caffeine as far as what it does to your heart what it does to your mind, what it does for things like anxiety and aggression and things like that. So not to, not to demonize like, you know, um, caffeine, but, you know, I think all of these things have to be looked at as fairly and ob as objectively as, you know, as possible. But again, well, just goes to show, sorry, go ahead. No, I was just saying, just, you know, we spoke to some companies, you know, in the spectrum, especially in California. And they, again, they're having problems with their banking because, yeah. because it's, Fed, not because it's not federal federal right. um the banks won't touch them so there's right. maybe some smaller state smaller uh, western union or sort of um credit unions that are the they like a regional bank with. might you know or, or something yeah like so that. they're yeah. so they're having problems and you know i'm getting messages like jason uh we've got a room full of cash help and again they, they need to digitize it and then it seems like great our, our consumers can load money onto their app yeah their bank account they can then come in they can pay us into our digital wallet and we can then transfer that money out to our bank or we can pay our suppliers through our through their digital wallet to their digital wallet so we actually have a whole ecosystem of people paying each other legally yeah um without all these problems that it's causing at the moment right yeah ab absolutely and uh you know, even just, you know, looking at the scope of history, you know, marijuana is not something that really emerged, you know, from the 1950s and beyond. And in fact, there's actually a very, very rich, almost uh, uh, carbon dating archaeological history involving marijuana, as far as like the first emperors of China, the ancient Greeks and Romans. And in fact, even herbal medicine in the Middle Ages, you know, there is a significant amount of scholarship where early humans uh, understood intuitively the benefits and have used it in various ways in different elixirs and potions and herbal potuses and all kinds of things like that. So, um, you know, this is something that may in many ways kind of be hardwired and kind of the collective DNA of uh, human of humanity. Well, it was big business. He basically wanted to get rid of hemp because hemp was so powerful and so useful in so many different ways. And that includes they, the founding fathers of the United States, too, by the way, farmed hemp. Yeah. Large amounts of it. I'm talking about like George Washington, Thomas to show, Jefferson. Yeah. It's random. Like, and it really boils down to political and economic interests. Um, and there will not be a day. If humans are alive, fairness doesn't exist. It's just, you know, <laughs> right. yeah. I'm right. sorry to be the, <laughs> well <said. laughs> the um, pessimist in the room, I guess. But um, I think we're coming to the close of the podcast. So I just want to give Jason an opportunity to tell us about all the businesses that you run and where people can sure. find you yeah, um, thank you. Um, well, I mean, the, the biggest thing we're working on at the moment is the digital wallet. So that's coming under and coming out under lifestyle.money. So people can go there, they can register now for free, um, and then we'll ping you a message when it's out. Um, well, I'm also working with um, a, H, a CBD brand called Hassini. So we're, again, we're looking to bring that out. Um, the big thing we're, we're putting more efforts into the wallet first because the digital wallet, as well as being there for consumers and for the adult businesses. We're also going to add a investment arm into it so people can actually invest in the adult sector um, through a 
regulated, again, a, a platform where they can find out the truth. They can find out about businesses. They can decide if they want to put money into them. Because um, if someone's using a product, why not invest in it and actually benefit from it? Right. So we're really sort of looking to the future and how we can build um, these sort of businesses and these sectors that aren't they either basically they're undersupporting, they're overcharged. So you know you've got the adult, you've got CBD. You I've even heard of tattooists in Australia who've had their bank accounts closed down from because the bank didn't like what they did. So all these emerging markets that people don't like or say they don't like, we're here to help them. And that's the big thing we're doing. Awesome. Um, and then I work with a fantastic adult studio called Cinematica that's just won an award in Europe. Um, does some beautiful high-end 4K productions. Um, and we've got them on you know, globally through major distribution partners. Um, and they're um, the owner of that studio has just finished building his own house in France that he's going to be shooting in. So it's going to be a busy summer of yeah. making fabulous porn. I can imagine. That is great though. Jason, I got to say it was an absolute pleasure having you come on today, especially with your, you know, array of eclectic and awesome interests. I mean, it adds to a great breadth of insight and experience. And I think this, these type of experiences um, especially in tech and in business, very rich. And I think viewership should, uh, you know, keep these things in mind. You know, the uh, you could say the great diversity of human experience and the knowledge and wisdom you can get from that. And, and especially as far as, you know, expanding and dispelling common misunderstandings in, let's say, sex tech and, uh, you know, marijuana. As time goes on, you know, there is a there is a healthy human need. You know, mm -hmm. for you know, for these things as well. So I think um, as long as you know people like yourself are you know consistently going forward and articulating this very well, this is going to further increase you know understanding and just remove those you know taboos. And I think the great thing is with the Web three crypto DeFi space, this is a space of free thinkers. So as far as the audience, like you know, this is you know this is kind of you know. Um, this is a good way to like kind of punch above your weight and really pitch in front of, you know, probably um, some of the most balanced, uh, even minded, objective people, as at least as, as as much as one can be as far as industries as a whole. Well, you say about me talking about it, that's great, but I can't do it without people like yourself and Bobby who um, give us the platform to actually come on and, and, and talk and be boring and, you know. Oh, I don't think this was boring at all. <laughs> so, <laughs> we well, no, definitely it, do a follow-up episode. It's, it's yeah. great that, you know, you, you come out here and, you know, there are podcasts like yourself that um, people want to listen to and give, and actually allow us to help educate the public on what is going on in the world on all these different sectors. So thank you very much. And thanks very much for having me on. Thank you. And Bobby, it was an absolute pleasure having you come on again as a co-host and, you know, it, providing you know that additional perspective and wisdom in this space and again i would behoove anybody do check out her book on amazon sexual intelligence in business it just arrived on my end i will be deep diving into this uh, over the weekend and i can you know vouch for bobby she is a very great and wise friend with a great depth of knowledge you know in this space as well so uh you know it is never too late or too inconvenient to learn a little bit more and just be a little bit smarter and a little bit more aware of, you know, just everything around us. So again, thank you both for uh, coming on today. I really had a great time. And this was a great conversation.
Thanks very much. Thank All you. right. Talk to you both later and have a great weekend. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.